What is up, everybody? Welcome to an episode of Studio Insights with Hannah and myself, Kim, from Belvista Studios. This is an opportunity for us to ask questions um, about things that we want to learn or appreciate the other person does so that we can help be better as a team and yeah, add value to you on your journey as well as practitioners. So, Hannah, I'm going to ask the first question. Oh, you can go, girl. Suck. Uh, I don't know why I said that. Anyway, so um, I would like to know, you've recently got quite a bit of recognition for just being a boss in terms of, uh, like, applying the things that you know, and it's really shining through and people are seeing your development and seeing you, you know, embrace yourself and get next level I think that's really awesome that they can see that so what tips do you have for people so that they can be confident in themselves as practitioners Hmm. so tips for people on how to be confident in themselves as practitioners I think having conversations with either your colleagues or others in the industry around what you're passionate about when it comes to the work that you do. For me, like talking about it and like pulling apart different ideas and concepts and talking about what like our favorite activities are as instructional designers, that's really helped me like process how instructional design works and be able to talk about it confidently. And I think the more that you talk about it and the more that you share your perspective, the more comfortable you get with speaking to clients and other team members or people on LinkedIn about what you're passionate about and what you like doing as an instructional mm. designer. So I think definitely like step out of your comfort zone. It is hard sometimes to talk in front of others or hold those sort of conversations, but just like do it. We're all on a journey and we're all learning. And if you're just curious and have those conversations, it has a really big impact. Um, I think taking the time out to learn about things. So we have like our learning hour each week where we learn about new things relevant to the industry and instructional design. And that's really cool because I often like I'll be working on a task or talking to you about something and it'll click something that I've learned. And that can build your confidence as well. It's almost like adding more to your toolkit. And the bigger you talk, it gets the more you can like do and bigger impact you can have. And yeah, it's really cool. Um, what else? I think interacting on LinkedIn as well and Instagram. So looking at what other people are doing, talking to them and like comments on things and interacting with people that way can be really good. And I think like the main thing, it is a bit like airy fairy, <laughs> but it is just like seeing we've spoken about it many times, but just seeing yourself on a journey and you're not ever going to be the perfect instructional designer. It's about being proud of where you are at the moment and knowing that you love what you do and every day you're going to learn something new. And I think as soon as I took the pressure off of, I had to know everything and I had to be a certain level to be able to talk to people. As soon as I got rid of that pressure, it all became a lot easier. And I'm just like, I am me. Like I bring myself to the situation and what I know and like, that's all I can bring. So it doesn't matter if people aren't okay with that. You just bring what you bring and you will add value to people that connect with you and are at a level that want to learn from you. So yeah, I think they would be the main things. Mm. So 
if I summarize that, it's about getting into the job or the role for the right reasons. Yeah. Something that you're passionate about, you're interested in. So you're in the right job for the right reasons yeah. for you as a human to be you. And the third one that you spoke a lot about is to be curious and learn. And you gave uh, quite a few examples to basically make information, ideas, opportunities available to you and accessing them by learning. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people do that. The difference that I see that you have is that you get all these ideas and inspiration and are curious and want to learn and you do something about it. So you put it into practice. Mm -hmm. So what is it about, why do you put things into practice? because I think what happens is we get stuck in research and learning mode and I want to understand why are you determined to change your behavior through the stuff that you learn um I think like I always have my vision board so I have like goals that I want to achieve in the year and a lot of them are relevant to work so one of my goals last year was to be a confident human-centered design practitioner so I think like knowing that I had that goal, it helped me like every time I learn about something human-centered design or I chose to like listen to a video about it or talk to you about it, like I knew that it was going to contribute to that goal. And in order to contribute to the goal, I had to think about what do I actually need to do to reach it. And so that looked like booking in videos for us and I, for you and I to do and talking to you about how I wanted to talk about the process and using it for our projects and us creating the playbook. Like, I think it's, I think you're right. It's about turning it into actions and having a goal that you want to reach. So what, like, what do you want to specialize in as an instructional designer? Do you want to be someone who's good at creating animations? Is that your specialty or are you going to niche in a certain industry? And once you figure that out, you can figure out what actions you need to take to get there. And it makes it a bit more purposeful, I think. Mm. Does That's that answer cool. your question? Yeah, so I guess what I'm hearing you say is that if we go back to the original thing, have the job for the right reasons, mm. you're saying have a goal. Your goal is all intrinsically motivated, right? Mm. You want to learn human-centered design because you're so passionate about it and you really believe in it and you see the impact that it has in the world Yeah, and things like from going to the supermarket, like you're just experiences as a human being you know when they've done human-centered design and when they haven't mm. and that you want to spread more of human-centered design in the world because it makes the world a better place. Yeah. So you're intrinsically motivated mm. for that. You happen to be in a job that you are in it for the right reasons. So they're very aligned. And then from there, you're basically creating your own learning plan or your roadmap towards your vision board your goals your personal goals yeah um yeah so that's really cool so I think people need to be very clear on the gap that I see in the change in behavior is how is this going to make my life better mm. and learn and do things appropriate to that which is your own personal journey so I guess if anyone is just consuming lots of things and not actually applying it, you need to think about what do I want my life to be like? What do I want my job to be like? What kind of practitioner do I want to be? 
what's going to get me there through your actions and behaviors basically you're just applying instructional design to your own career development um yeah which is really cool then you have a roadmap and then it's all you might do it quicker you might achieve things more effectively that's cool yeah definitely well even when you think about like we're very lucky and people who are freelancers out there they can often get projects that they want to work on or at least try to attract projects that they want to work on and for us like we want to start supporting a certain industry because of personal experiences that we've had and we're extremely passionate about those things so the motivation for learning and building confidence in that space and being able to serve those clients is very high because it connects to like a deep personal mm -hmm. want to make a difference in that space so I think if everyone has that connection to their goal and if it can go deeper, like you want to make an impact in a certain area or there's like a hectic goal that you want to achieve, if you can connect it to that, then like you will just take action because there's no other way. Like if you really want to achieve something, you'll do it. And the more action you take, the more confidence you'll build in that area and it'll become like easier over time, I think. Mm. Yeah. Hmm. Cool. What about you? Yeah. I'd like to ask, for your perspective on that, how have you been able to build um, confidence as a practitioner? At the core of it, it is a goal. Like I look at what's my ultimate life? Mm. What's the life I want to live? And that's doing the work that we do in the industries that we do it with the people working with the team members that we have working for myself as opposed to in an organization. So very clear goals of how I want to live my life. Mm. Um, and then it's like well what's going to get me there and how soon do I want to be there and when I've achieved it what's next so it's just goal setting and aligning my actions to those goals mm. but the goals like it's the same as having a project goal it's the same as having a success statement it has to be the right one you have to be solving the right problem not I want a pay rise but like, what is that pay rise about? Yeah. Is that pay rise about because you want the title or does it enable you to go on a family holiday and take the people that you love? Um, is it about, um, I've been doing my job for this long, I deserve it. So you have to really understand the motivation behind the goal mm. and check in on that because you need a fire. This way you say, the industry that we're going to target will be like the healthcare industry because we're so personally impacted by something that we're not willing to accept that mm. for ourselves anymore or for others to have to go through that. So you can see how like I'm already getting like really yeah. passionate about it. You need to find those things for yourself where you're like, nah, this is not acceptable. Mm. This is not negotiable anymore. This has to happen. I have a fire around it. The goal is more accurate. I am more driven to achieve it for the right reasons. Yeah. And then you build your actions and behaviors around it, which is the same. Yeah. I just spend the right enough time prioritized to figure out what that goal is. Yeah. Very cool. You ready for your other question? <laughs> yeah. Are you finished? Have you shared what you needed to for that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would love to learn from you how much, because I know we love our process. 
like our human-centered mm-hmm. design process is awesome in the way that we do things. Do you change your process ever to meet your stakeholders or clients' needs? And to what extent do you do that? Um, I think there is a, are you referring to the playbook? Uh, or just, just processes process. in general? Yeah, so it could be, for example, a client's like, um, I don't want you to apply human-centered design. I don't want you to do instructional design. Just like put all of this content into a module and create it for us. Like that's not our process. We like to consider our end user and do the instructional design and create something that's meaningful to what, as like a business owner or someone dealing with clients, to what like level do you take it where we adjust our process for what they're wanting? Mm. I think a process is a tried and tested thing. It exists for a reason Mm. to help something be better. Um, You've learned from things in the past. So at this current point in time, this process is the most effective and the best way of doing something to meet a specific outcome. Yeah. Okay. So it exists and I need to trust the process. Now, what plays out in terms of processes not being able to be followed by exact step by step is um, maybe a scope is time frame is really, really short. So we can't do everything within the process. Yeah. So we need to then make a decision. What parts of the process um, are going to give us the most return on investment that we need to apply to achieve the outcome? Or it's a conversation around this is going to shift away from the process to to achieve the outcome, the success statement that you're trying to achieve. We do recommend that you do the full process and this is what's going to take. So having a conversation around that, you're trying to fix this in two weeks. But if you could, if you really want these results, we think you would be able to achieve it within two months and don't rush it because these are the consequences. So you always got to really identify what is the consequence? What is the risk around varying from the process? Because it exists for a good reason. Yeah. And laying that out to the decision maker, whether that's me varying from my own process or with a client project, a stakeholder project, being very clear and communicating that to them. Cool. We're going to vary from our process. This is what may play out are you willing to accept that yeah okay I like that that's cool I think because I'm just putting myself into the shoes of like if I was speaking to a client and they wanted to do things differently and didn't want to include certain parts and I can see now that you could just say like look I need to go away and figure out what we can do with your parameters Mm -hmm. I'm going to have a look at the process and figure out what parts of the process will give us the most return on investment and come up with a plan yeah. and then go back to them and say, look, this is a plan with your parameters. We may not achieve what you're wanting or we may, we can still achieve it. And just talking through like what the options are. Yeah. Rather than just being like, yeah, we can do that and taking up parts of the process and knowing it's not going to work. Yeah. Okay. Good summary. <laughs> cool. That was it. I'll just add on that one. When it, it's easy to um, sway from your process on smaller things, mm. an email, a deadline, things like that. Do not. 
that's the times when you're like, don't sway from the process. Because anytime, say, for example, a stakeholder says, I'm not going to be able to get this to you at 5 p.m., but I'll have it by 10 a.m. tomorrow. Is that OK? Yeah. It actually has way bigger implications than like just getting something two hours late. Yeah. So do not sway from your process. You need to really think about what are the consequences? What are the risks of this? So do everything within your power for those things to not compromise on your process. They've stung you in the past and that's why you've made them part of your process. Yeah. That's something I've learned. Yeah. Love it. Cool. All right. Well, thanks for watching Studio Insights. Thanks for your question, Hannah. If this has added value to you, please share it with someone. Thanks for choosing to learn with us. We do appreciate you doing that because there's lots of information on the uh, internet. So yeah, thanks for choosing to learn with us. Have an awesome day.